You're listening to the Candid Conversations podcast, where we share with you the adventures of small business, the community, and folks in communications. This episode is brought to you by Small Business Assistant, assisting your small business with QuickBooks consultation, source deductions, payroll, and more. Go to smallbusinessassistant.ca. We are your hosts, digital marketer Dan Nicholson and small business strategist Sagan Morrow. This is episode number two. Today on the show, we have Sarita, a feminist blogger and virtual assistant from flightandscarlet.com. So she's going to be telling us a little bit about her experiences recently starting her own business. But before we get to that, we wanted to share a little bit about where our business is at. Yeah, actually, it was a very interesting couple weeks uh, <laughs> since the last time we we spoke because I was really kind of kickstarting my business again with coffee-powered analytics and kind of reaching out to people, um, starting to get those conversations rolling. And then all of a sudden, uh, with this podcast, things went not sideways, it just completely different direction than I thought it was going to. Absolutely. I mean, a little bit, a little bit sideways, I guess. A whole, a whole new, a whole new path. Well, it's funny too, because I've, I've now changed my business plan multiple times this year alone here in 2017 because I kept on coming up with new ideas so I you know sort of redirect what I sort of had planned for my business and that's kind of all gone a little bit a little bit out the window now <laughs> but uh, yeah one of the things like we sat down last Saturday to kind of hash out what a joint partnership would look like yeah uh, because we realized we have two different skill sets that can really mesh well into a services offering as well as training like and do training for like, other people like actual yeah like yes. actual people in person <laughs> <laughs> but uh one of the things we've talked about was actually doing like online courses and stuff like that so i mean there's a potential opportunity for doing training in person and online as well as doing like adwords and social media and content creation and seo where i kind of fall short is in the content creation side of things mm -hmm. uh and of course that's where your skill set is so much better than mine <laughs> that's uh that's what i do for yeah. a living is create content yes so and and the influencer side of things too um mm -hmm. If I just listened to this today, I uh, highly recommend it. You know, Terry O'Reilly's Under the Influence. Love Under the Influence. Yeah, I think we've talked about it in the, maybe in the last podcast. I can't quite remember. Maybe it got cut out. But <laughs> uh, yeah, this week's was The Power of Influencers. Mm -hmm. And what a fantastic episode that is. Because just the influence marketing, which I think you have a handle on, is also going to help from help, uh, pushing out our online content. Because anything that I push out, I'm talking to the same type of people. Right. I'm doing an online course, for example. Sorry, not an online course, but I'm doing a online blog post, and all I'm getting, my top one, is you know, the how to pass the Google IQ exam. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my stuff is for those people. Right. Um, and that, I mean, that's how I also create my content as well. Yeah, which is a big part of it. I mean, how you how you create it, how you market it, how you sort of choose to like what angle you sort of choose to take on content. Yeah, absolutely, is a big thing. But I, I did really like. I mean, again, we were Dan here and I were sitting down and we were talking over the weekend for hours about this concept of us mm -hmm. working together. And 
I think what you were saying makes makes just such a great point that we do bring such different skill sets to the table. So it's going to be pretty exciting working together. Well, first of all, working together is going to be awesome. Absolutely. Obviously. But also just combine these skill sets. I think that there's just so many exciting things that can come out of it and so many opportunities and different things that we'll be able to do together that we otherwise would not have been able to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from being able to have those skill sets and mesh them together is going to be great. And the fact that the listeners, I think, is very interesting. They're coming in at the literal start of this. Yeah, yeah. So, I so, mean, you guys are getting this, like, several days. Well, I guess once we once we actually air this, this episode, it'll be yeah. a, a couple weeks after. But, like, right now, we are literally just a few days after making this decision. So yeah. we're... we're both really excited about it. Congratulations for following along. Hopefully that to all our listeners. Yeah, we want we want to keep you all updated on how it goes, on the obstacles that we face, what works really well for us, you know, what doesn't work out so well. It's going to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, enough about us. I think we should uh, move on to our interview with Sarita. I'm, I'll be honest, I'm only have sort of met you online yeah. like two weeks ago, maybe not even. As far as I'm aware, I mean, I got to take a look at your, your website, which is uh, flightandscarlet.com. And just talking through Sagan and through the, uh, through the, through the course, uh, as far as I'm aware, you're currently a teacher? Yeah, so I'm a part-time teacher at one school. I teach ELL, so English language learning for people who don't know English. And then aside from that, I'm doing my business and then substitute teaching as well. As a so that that must be a pretty demanding job, I'm guessing, eh? And then being able to do your own writing and stuff on the side. Can you tell us a bit more about why? So when I first started it, it was actually really not I had no intention of turning it into a business whatsoever. I just started it in my last year of university for fun, I guess. I wrote like one post and left it for like seven months. I didn't do anything with it. And then when I started substitute teaching, I had so much free time, I wasn't used to it because I had I had worked so hard in my last year of university. I really, um, like I burned myself out pretty bad. So having all that free time, I was like, what do I do with this time? So I just started it for fun and then I really enjoyed it. So I went crazy with it and just wrote constantly and all of that. And then um, I realized that I could monetize it. I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing at all. So only like, I don't know, like four months in or something like that, I realized I could. So I decided to start taking it more seriously and then I guess a year later, I was still substitute teaching, so I didn't have like a contract or anything like that. I didn't have a, a really difficult workload or anything until actually just this past January was when I first signed the contract I have now. And uh, since then, I guess I've been more certain that I don't want to teach. Um, so in the past year and a half or so, I realized I didn't. it's just not really what I want to do as much as I like it. It's not what I want to do. So I'm pursuing it because of that, I guess. I realized I found something else that works for me. That's super awesome. Well, and it's cool too how you were able to figure that all out fairly early on. But like, yeah, because I mean, like, I was I was blogging for years before I was like, oh, this can actually be a thing that people do full time, right? Like, yeah. so it's I think it's really cool that you managed to identify that at such yeah. an early stage with it. Yeah, it's kind of nice. It was pretty inspiring, actually. I just came across some income reports. I honestly have no idea how I found out specifically, like the day that I figured it out or found out. Um, but it was another blog about finances, I guess, because I'm still on like a fairly tight budget as a substitute teacher. So I found a budgeting blog um, and it was busybudgeter.com, Rosemary 
crazy income report where she made like 20,000 in a month. And I was like, Oh my God. So I read all of her stuff like crazy. And that's how I ended up being like, I can do this. <laughs> so as both an online writer and an offline teacher, are there any distinct differences or similarities when comparing both roles as it pertains to feminism and the feminist landscape? Oh man, that's a big question. I'm uh, so I have noticed similarities for sure, because I've noticed at least with my niche, which is, you know, talking about feminism and, and making it more like accessible, it's I'm helping other people and helping them understand what it is, which is basically what teaching is. Right. So and I think in general, blogging kind of lends itself to that because you're always trying to help your readers solve some kind of problem. So in one way or another, you're kind of teaching. So. Yeah. Um, the difference, though, is I have no idea when I'm helping someone a lot of the time. If they don't leave a comment or respond to a question on Twitter or something like that, I don't I don't get that immediate response that I do when I'm in the classroom. So sometimes I kind of am like, am I talking to anyone? <laughs> but when someone comments, I'm like, oh, I did it. Somebody's responding to me. <laughs> so I know I'm helping someone. Yeah. It is kind of tricky when it just feels like it's you're putting stuff out there into the void and what is happening with it. <laughs> Well, I know when I was checking out your website, I saw like the the guide for like for men for feminism, which I thought was really cool. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no worries. I, I I will be honest, I didn't get a chance to fully read it, but I actually have put it on the side to actually read. Sweet. So so like there's it. some sort of uh, return right away. <laughs> it's very interesting to hear the fact the 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 difference between the two, but also the similarities where you you kind of want to as a teacher want to teach this information. And it's, yeah. I, I think one of the things is when I was talking to Sagan about this, uh, about what your blog is about and what you do, the fact that uh, feminism wasn't always, it's not an accessible topic for most people. And I would agree, I mean, for, for myself, like it's being a guy who's trying to get into this and trying to understand more about it. I mean, as a white male, it's <laughs> I'm probably the least furthest away uh, on, on the topic, I guess, so to see that you're taking that approach and being able to bring it more accessible to people. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why I brought that up, but it was mostly, <laughs> I just thought that was a very fascinating tie-in. Yeah. Well, um, it does kind of make sense, I guess, now that I think about it, that I would want to do that as a teacher because that's my whole job is trying to make difficult concepts more accessible. So yeah, mm. and it's still helping people, which is part of why I think I still enjoy it. Um, I've heard, I did one of those, I forget what it's called like the Myers-Briggs test, personality test. Um, and it was basically saying I wouldn't be happy working by myself and I need to help other people and I need to be interacting with other people. And I thought that was interesting because as a blogger and as a VA, I'm sitting at home with my cat all the time, <laughs> not actually interacting with people, but I am really happy with it because I just feel like I'm still helping people at least and interacting with them. So I'm still getting that kind of, I guess, feedback that I get from. Actually, I do want to ask you this question because just from my standpoint because you have such a hot button topic mm -hmm. uh, i i was looking at your uh your reports i think it was your january report you stated that you got 300 dollars from a sponsored post or a sponsored post i can't remember if it was multiple it was just one was it just one mm -hmm. um, have you seen any issues of trying to get advertisers on your on your blog or I guess, how would you go about supplementing income that way with such a... Uh... Yeah, um, to be honest, I haven't done very much much research into brands I want to work with just because I haven't, I haven't really found one that I'm for sure good with. I feel a lot of pressure to be like super meticulous with finding a brand that I, is definitely good because I can totally see myself being like, I like this brand and then people being like, that's a super not feminist brand and me being like, <laughs> oh God. 
But um, the one that I did, it was co-schedule and I guess I did not actually do a ton of research into whether or not they were like a, uh, an organization that treats their employees really well. Um, but I did love the, the the app so much that I was like, I need people to know about this because I've been doing it for like a year and a half blogging and I didn't know about this and it's really changed everything that I did. So I really wanted to share it. So it has nothing really to do with feminism and they, I guess, didn't really care about it, about the fact that I write about feminism. So that was fine. But yeah, in general, I haven't done a lot of sponsored posts anyway. I actually had one other company reach out to me like a month ago and they they had, um, what's it called? Like, like superhero, female superhero, like bookshelves, which sounds super weird, but they're really cool looking. And I was like, most of the time when you get brands, it's a lot of people that I have never heard of and I don't want to work with somebody I've never heard of. So this one I'd never heard of, but it was actually in the niche of feminism. And I was so amazed by that because I don't, I just don't know of a lot of companies that are specifically about feminism, unless it's like the diva cup or something like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I haven't encountered any, but that's because I haven't really gone into it. Long answer short. <laughs> that's good to know. I was actually, yeah, I was really curious as to how, I mean, as an advertiser myself, that's why I was like, how would it tie into uh, yeah. the topic and the advertiser? So that's, that's very interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and it's interesting too. I mean, like how, and maybe Dan, you have a different view on this, but the way that I tend to kind of view it is like when brands approach us as bloggers, they don't really tend to look that much into what we blog about. Like it feels as though they often take a look at one or two of our blog posts. They might check out, oh, how many followers does this person have on Twitter? Mm -hmm. And they might check out the about page, but yeah. they probably aren't going to dive super deep and see like, are you, are you talking about sex right on your blog and that kind of thing? Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. I literally have had people do that where it's like, we have sex stories. And I was just like, I haven't, I'm not really doing that right now. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe, maybe I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> I don't know. That seems really odd to me, but oh, uh, well, I guess, yeah, maybe from the influencer marketing. I mean, I was uh, talking about this uh, previously before we were talking to you uh, about influencer marketing and it's uh, very interesting. I guess maybe it just has to tie in slightly. Yeah. Like, I mean, Wonder Woman looking bookshelves. It's like, it's kind of my job to spin it in a way that works with what my audience would like. So the fact that it's just like a female holding up a bookshelf, they're like, this person will like it, I guess. Yeah, it's not like automatically feminist, but. <laughs> yeah. Being an online business, what are some of the ways that you are going about gaining exposure for your blog and your virtual assistant services, especially since you are still fairly new to it? Um, so the first year, I guess I focused a lot on Pinterest and social media in general. Um, so I have, I've done a lot of reading and ebook buying and <laughs> basically doing as much research as, research as I can into Pinterest because I, I knew that Pinterest was like the thing that could bring a lot of um, traffic. But I did find that it doesn't necessarily keep people on the website for very long. So I decided to look into Facebook because that's the other one. Um, basically, it's mostly been social media, um, and I've learned a lot and used it in, I guess, that way. And I'm still pretty small, but most of my current traffic comes from Pinterest, and then most of my engagement is from Facebook. So that's kind of interesting, I guess. But I find people want to discuss a lot more on Facebook. Pinterest doesn't really lend itself to that, but 
Twitter is supposed to be like the feminist like place because of I mean you always hear about drama about somebody being mean to some woman on the on Twitter so it's like the place for a feminist to be but I actually find I don't get very much traffic from there at all I get a lot of discussion which is great for like a feminist but it doesn't really grow my website I guess for the actual VA stuff it's basically all Facebook I'm interacting with people and kind of building relationships and groups and stuff like that and that's mostly how I've been doing that but yeah, it's not a very interesting answer. It's very standard. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically what I've been doing. So well, Elite Blog Academy was like a big learning thing for me that helped me because I got my site professionally designed and I learned how to make really good graphics and I came up with a really good editorial calendar. I revamped all of my like categories to make it more, I guess, streamlined, I guess. So I did a lot of changing the site in general. And I think that helped a lot. I noticed immediately after I had my design done that suddenly I was getting more page views. So I was like, okay, this worked, but yeah. Hmm. So I guess that would be like the number one thing I would say ahead of time, I guess. But I think designing your website professionally is like the thing you should do. Mm -hmm. Can you, uh, just cause we never really touched on it, uh, kind of explain what a virtual assistant is and why you decided to kind of jump into that uh, in addition to your blog as well? Yeah, um, so a virtual assistant is, I mean, there's lots of different kinds. The the kind that I do is mostly working with bloggers and helping them complete their various tasks that they either don't have time for or don't like to do. So a lot of virtual assistants will schedule social media, they'll design graphics, they'll, they'll even write posts or edit posts and schedule them in WordPress. Um, I've seen real estate virtual assistants, which I have no idea what they do, but they exist. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's so many different things, but uh, I got into it in, I think just October, this past October, um, because I, well, I need a little bit of fast money and I was still working as a sub and I wasn't getting a lot um, of work because it's so early in the year. At that point in the year, there aren't, isn't a lot of work for subs. So that, and then I just, I, I don't even, I don't know, like it seems super random that I started doing it. Now I think about it, but I was just like, I'm gonna see if this this will be a thing that I can do. And I think I might I might have read it in like a blog post um, or something where it was like, these are things you can do to make money from your blog. And I was like, oh, this one looks kind of cool. I might like doing this because teacher me wants to help other people. So I just made a really quick website, which wasn't even part of my original website. I just wanted to kind of see what would happen. And then I just went for it and suddenly people needed help and I was helping them. So yeah, really random, I guess, but worked out really well. <laughs> I love, yeah, I, I kind of love that. It just sort of came about. Yeah. And, I, and that's such an important thing to know about yourself, too, when it's like, okay, I am a teacher. Like, I love teaching. So, how can I like translate that into an online sort of situation? And that just makes sense to do virtual assistant type of work. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. And I've been learning a lot about what I like doing, what I don't like doing as well in doing mm. it. I haven't been doing it very long. And that, usually means people don't want to work with you because you don't have a lot of experience but because i've been i've just learned a lot in a short period of time of blogging for like a year and a half so i feel like i have a lot more experience than than i guess a lot of vas do when they start so that's been helping <laughs> it's been good we'll be back with sarita in a few seconds but first a word from our sponsors are you looking to start selling your products online try shopify risk-free for 14 days with professional and easy-to-install themes and secure online transactions, get everything you need to begin building your website without any design or tech skills required. Visit candidpodcast.ca slash shop to get started now.
So your business itself, like the blogging and the VA, has been only around for a year and a half, or have you been doing it for a little bit longer? Yeah, well, I had a free WordPress.com website, um, which I started randomly in April 2015, and then I left it for several months, and then I got back to it in, like, I think September that year. And then in December, I decided to go self-hosted and take it seriously and try and monetize it. So it's only been, yeah, not even a year and a half being self-hosted. So when I decided to really have a go serious with it, it was it's only been a year and a few months. And then business-wise, I didn't even register it until November last year. So, yeah, it's kind of been very inconsistent, I guess, with how I decided to do it. But now it's like this is my first real year. <laughs> nice. That's so exciting, too, to be at that point where it's like everything just kind of happens and then suddenly you're at this point where you can really keep moving it forward. Yeah, I could. I know one. if someone told me I was going to start a business like three years ago, I would have been like, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the, that's the interesting thing about blogging, too, is I never, ever thought of it as a way to make money. I knew people did it kind of like not to make money. I just knew that people like had blogs and stuff. Um, but I've always liked graphic design and writing and, you know, helping other people, obviously. Um, and my dad has always been, he doesn't own a business, but he's always been like, you should own a business. It's the better choice and stuff. He's always been telling me to like, figure out what I'm good at and do something with it. And I was like, I don't know, what am I good at? Like, I don't have anything I'm good at. And this is exactly what I'm good at. It's perfect. So I'm kind of curious, like, what does an actual day look like for you? Um, so it depends, of course, on whether I'm teaching. Um, but if I'm not teaching, it's usually I wake up around 9 o'clock and then I check my emails and sort all that out, which is terrible because you shouldn't do that first, but that's what I do usually. Um, and then I do my, I've been changing it a little. I started out doing my client work first so that I knew it was done and then I would deal with my blog stuff. Um, but now I'm actually doing my blog stuff first and then my client a lot of the blog stuff is more kind of stuff that I need to really focus on, I guess. And then client work is more creative, so I do it later on when I'm kind of tired because I really enjoy doing it and it doesn't feel like a lot of work for me to do. And then I'll take a break, usually in the middle of the day at like two. Um, and that's usually an hour or two. It's a long break. And then I go back to work for a few more hours and then I just kind of relax in the evening. It's been really like half the amount of work that I think I'm going to do now, <laughs> which was only about like four hours a day because I wasn't too worried about like the income or anything like that. Um, so my busy days would be Tuesday and Wednesday because I would go to work as a teacher and then come home and still have like four hours to do. So I would do that and then not have a lot of time in the evening to relax. So I've been really conscious of not planning anything on Tuesdays. Um, but yeah, now I'm going to start doing um, probably more like eight hour days as I gear up to finally go, my cat wants to knock over my glass, um, full time. So I need to put a lot more time into doing the actual VA stuff. That's the interesting thing is um, because I'm a blogger and a VA, I'm my main struggle right now is trying to figure out how to balance that because m most of my income comes from being a VA. I've made some affiliate income and some sponsor, but not very much and nothing from ads really. I have them, but I don't really I don't have enough page views to make a lot from them. So um, most of the work is from being a VA, which means it's limited to how much time I have in the day. So I have to be really careful with how how much time I'm spending as a VA and how much time I'm blogging, just because blogging is more like passive. So right now I'm super focused on being a VA so that I can at least be full time and then dedicate more time to being <laughs> passive. So my days have been changing in the last couple weeks. 
Well, it's tricky too when you're sort of trying to figure out that balance, right? And sort of experimenting with how much time does one thing need compared to something else? And there's, yeah, there's a lot to, to take into consideration, especially when your blog ends up being this amazing tool, like, right, like such a good platform for then marketing your VA services and for people to see that as the example and as your portfolio. It becomes so tricky. I've like I have definitely found over the years, like it, it becomes such an interesting sort of piece where it feels like, okay, well, it's not like this particular thing of blogging isn't what's actually making me money, for yeah. example, but it's such an important tool to actually get there, even though it feels like it's not immediate. Right. Yeah. Which is like it's tricky to balance that. Mm -hmm. I've noticed uh in the first couple months I was really slacking on my Facebook because I didn't feel like I had time to to do it until I found co-schedule, which saved my life. But uh, I, I just slacked on it. And then I realized that was a terrible thing to do, partially for me, but also because then clients would come and see that I hadn't done anything on Facebook and it would look like I had nothing. I don't really know what I'm talking about, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, so I've changed how I think, but yeah, it's mostly gonna be, I think, four hours blogging, four hours VA a day, and we'll see how that goes for now. <laughs> so yeah. In addition to being a teacher as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why did I do this to myself? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's probably a good segue into into um, what the obstacles that you're facing as a, a side business owner. Theoretically, you're, you've got two businesses almost. You've got your blog, you've got your VA, and then you've got your full time job. So the obstacles you've faced to date in the in the past year and a half or two years close to it. What what are some ways that you were able to kind of navigate those? Um, so I was awful last year. I was terrible at balancing it. Um, I, so I was working way more often, um, as a teacher than I am now. So now I'm only actually teaching two or three days a week, depending. Um, and then I was working like every day. Maybe I'd take a day off a week, a week if I really wanted to. So I would come home and just work for like the entire evening. And it was Partially really bad because my partner Grady is doing his master's, so he was literally doing work all the time as well. He'd go to class, come home and do work. So I was just like, I don't really need to have free time. I can just do work all the time. So um, I was a bit of a workaholic, I guess. I, I was awful at trying to balance it. And it wasn't like in that sense, my obstacle was um, like my own mental health. I didn't do nearly as well as I could have. Um, knowing that now I'm way more efficient and not working the entire evening and that kind of thing. So. It was like my work took too much time and then I didn't take time for myself, I guess. So that was the big one last year. And then this year, um, because I'm thinking of it as more of a business, I, I don't use all of my free time because I didn't even think of it really as a business until November last year. So that's 10 months where I just treated it as a hobby and did it whenever I was free and like had all the time. And yeah, now I literally look at my hours that I'm doing work and think, how is this helping me? How could it make me money? And like, am I being efficient with it? Instead of just, I have free time, I'm going to do something with it, which can be hard because I do enjoy it so much. So, um, yeah, so now I take better care, but the obstacle is like my stress um, about trying to make it work more. Whereas before I was, it was like, it's a hobby, it's fine if it makes me some money. And now I'm like, no, this is what I really want to do. <laughs> and if it doesn't work, I'm going to be really, really upset about it. So as a teacher, blogger, specifically with feminism, I'm always a little afraid if a student or a teacher finds it, which I know a couple of teachers have found it because I've told them about it, we've talked about it. So specifically for me, not just having a side hustle, but also having it as a teacher and have the fact that I talk about, like you said, hot button topics. So that hasn't been an obstacle yet. 
um, and I hope it doesn't become an obstacle. Uh, so I don't, I really don't think it would be an obstacle to my business as much as it might be an obstacle to teaching, which isn't awful to me right now, just because I don't really want to teach, but I'm also afraid to shut that door completely because it's like my last backup plan basically. So if I'm not making full-time money by September, I'm going to be substitute teaching again. Yeah. So that's kind of a thing. I can't, I can't market it as much as I would if I wasn't a teacher because I could tell everybody, literally everybody I know and not be worried about it. Whereas now I have to be kind of careful. So as a teacher, that's kind of an obstacle. That's actually something I've seen um, teacher bloggers because they're in my kind of ideal audience. I mean, ideal client for my VA stuff. I've seen a lot of them have that concern too. Like what if, what if a student finds my blog, but they write about teaching. So it's not really as much of a concern. So mm -hmm. yeah, mostly my own mental blocks and then being a teacher. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. That's it's, good to know, yeah. Yeah, it, I think it's such an important thing, right, to be able to recognize that. And especially when it is when it is something like your own mental blocks, like then you can mm -hmm. really address it and like tackle that kind of obstacle. Yeah, nice. I would say as well, actually, I didn't mention, was um, having such a niche topic, it's, I don't know if it's just me or if I'm wrong, but I find it's really hard to grow with that kind of niche. I mean, I'm sure there's lots I can do um, if I were to invest more into it, which I can't right now, but um, if it was like homeschooling or like finance or talking about blogging, I feel like it'd be a lot easier to grow than what I'm doing, especially because it's very um, information based. It's not so much solving like a direct need, like I need a recipe or like I need to get more organized. That kind of thing is so much easier. People are always looking for that. Whereas this is very like people who are just thinking about something and that's not as easy, I guess. Mm -hmm. I have ideas to kind of, you know, provide um, like a product, like a book. I think that could do really well. But um, yeah, I do think that having a niche topic about like information and sharing, like educating is, I guess not always educating, but educating about something that's so specific can be kind of difficult for growing. So now I'm kind of, I'm curious, I'm sure Dan is as well. I would be so interested to see for something like that niche of a topic, like the analytics for that in terms of like the number of people who, the number of like loyal readers that someone like you would have compared to someone with a giant recipe blog where, you know, a person will just go there because they're looking for a particular recipe and then they leave again, right? I feel like, I feel like with your type of blog, people are probably finding you and and they're going to be like, this is an amazing blog. I need to keep reading it, right? And I I feel like it would tend to attract more loyal readers, even yeah. if it would be trickier to grow more. But mm -hmm. be interesting. It's kind of like a better conversion rate, kind of. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, you're going to, I would assume you'll get a lot more, yeah, loyal readers. You'll see a lot of return visitors. And I'm thinking about my partner, Carly, who loves to cook, and she basically she has a set of potential recipe places to go to, but sometimes she just Googles it and yeah, uses sure. it. But from the, from your blog, for example, like there's one called a practical wedding, which I'm sure you've heard of. Mm -hmm. It sparks a lot of more conversations. And even though it started out as a wedding blog, like most of them do, it's like a safe space for that conversation that people mm -hmm. can have in the comments. Right. So I think that's what I would see. That's so interesting. I didn't like, I've kind of thought about it, but I never, I never really thought about it that way. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I did. I did. What's kind of funny is when I did the, um, the elite blog Academy launch. So that's the course I took that basically helped me to like revamp my entire blog. And I guess in the last few months. So I had, I actually didn't intend to participate in it at all because I have like no blogging audience really. And I just thought, well, this isn't really relevant to my niche at all. 
So I ended up deciding to just make a separate email list for that. So like a blogging email list because feminist activism online is so big and I decided, okay, maybe I can make this work. Um, I had tried something last year with the Genius Bloggers Toolkit, which is like an ultimate bundle that they're doing and they did it in October. And I just kind of spur the moment decided to see if that would work with my audience and nobody really were, was interested in it. So that's why I left this one alone. I was like, maybe I won't do anything with it. But spur of the moment thing again, um, I just made a list and I mean, I had nobody on it. I think I had myself and one other person. <laughs> and um, during that week, somebody subscribed and then they bought it. And I was like, in shock. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't expect this at all. I thought I would just learn from it. It'd be cool. Um, so in the group I shared, I guess I was like, this is hilarious. I have two subscribers and one of them bought it. And then Rosemary from busy budgeter, she was like, look at your 50% conversion rates. And I was like, that is hilarious. <laughs> that is ridiculous. So I don't know how she, how this person found my blog. If, if it was like, she was already a follower or not, I don't really know. So that would be kind of funny if that was the case, if they were following my feminist stuff already and were a loyal mm -hmm. reader and that's how it happened. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we've been talking, we've been talking about obstacles. You started telling us a little bit about the, the this whole thing, which 50% conversion rate, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love, oh my God, I love that. Are there any other uh, successes that you have had recently that you're like especially proud of? That's the big one, I guess. Mm -hmm. Having that one, the two brands that I did sponsored posts with was really neat because that was in January, which was like my brand new year to like make it happen. And the first one, the first sponsored post happened in January. So that was really exciting. And then I think it was at the end of January that this other brand con uh, contacted me. So I was like, wow, brands are actually reaching out. So that's been kind of neat. And having, um, realizing I could probably make affiliate sales work has been cool. The two clients I have now, are both new clients that I started with in January as well. So January was a good month. <laughs> what a great start to the year, like having all of these things come together. Yeah. It's so exciting when like your hard work actually pays off, right? After after working on these things yeah. for a while and suddenly it all comes together. Yeah, it's cool. So because you were really just kind of getting into it and you said you had some kind of ideas for kind of growing the business, how do you want to continue to grow? So I, my eventual like ultimate goal is to actually work a lot less as a VA and basically work as much as I want as a VA and not feel like I have to, to get by, um, and to make more passive income from the blog. So I'm obviously hoping to not teach anymore and to be able to work from home. And I would like to kind of, I would like to publish a book, um, personal experiences with sexual assault, because I think that's so, it's just not really talked about very much. I don't, I need to do some research and find out what kind of books there are like that, but that's what people seem to like reading the most about. So I want to give them that. Um, and I think that would be a really neat way to kind of use my blog as like a, like a platform to talk about these issues in like a public space. I don't know, like going to university or being more local, I guess, maybe even going to the States. I don't really know, but, um, I'd like to be able to use it as kind of a way to start spreading ideas more. Um, which is, I guess, teacher me again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've also thought about having the business be like, basically like a platform, but, um, I would love if I was using it as kind of full-time income and then the freedom to do other things like, um, even like teach sex ed to kids. So that being a part-time thing would be kind of cool for me. I would love to be like, I mean, I'd love to make 20,000 a month, but that's not what I'm really expecting to, to do with this, which it would be amazing if that happened. But, yeah. um, yeah, I'd love to just, 
be able to write about feminism and have that be my like career. That'd be really cool. Nice. Obviously, there's a lot of people kind of want to get in the same line of work, either as a VA or as a blogger. Mostly, I'm kind of interested in any of the tips that kind of you picked up that might be helpful for someone who wanted to start this kind of line of business, who wanted to kind of jump in, uh, mm -hmm. you know, maybe with both feet or just kind of start dabbling a little bit with blogging or even just like pick up a first VA client, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, so for a VA business, I would say the first thing you should do is make a website because actually today I was looking for, um, other VAs because I had a client who just wasn't the right fit for me. So I was looking for other people to help this client. Um, and people who didn't have a website, I like, I was hesitant to even talk to them because I couldn't go to the site and see what they were all about and not even just their rates and their services, but just get a feel for who they are. So that's like the number one thing I think if you wanted to be a VA is create a website and just get it up. Because <laughs> if you have something there, people will feel better. <laughs> it's what works for me. So I think start with a free blog like WordPress.com and write about whatever you want first. Um, you could go self-hosted, but if you don't really, if you find you don't like it and you spent the money on it, I don't know if that's necessarily yeah. worth it for you. So, um, so what I did was I started on a free one and I worked on it for like four months and I blocked about literally everything. <laughs> and then I realized what I liked and I realized that I wanted to actually turn it into something. And that's when I decided to actually make it a business. Um, but if you knew exactly what you wanted to do, that's obviously not really a problem. But then from there, knowing when you want to write about a, that it might change because as you write, you're going to learn more about what you like writing. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, that's how you started too, wasn't it on a free wordpress.com? Oh, oh my God. I started first on a, it wasn't even, it wasn't WordPress. It wasn't even blogger. So I had, <laughs> what I had initially was like Google, pages or something like that like mm. they don't have it anymore i had to share the link specifically with people who wanted to see it and i had that for like the first few weeks of the first <laughs> month like i literally had no idea what i was doing and then i switched to blogger and then wordpress.com and then wordpress.org so it's been a whole it was a whole thing but i really love what you said about about this whole concept of just start a free website and start writing like I think that this is one of the big problems that we often face where people say, oh, you need to niche down, you need to niche down. But if you don't actually know what your niche is or what you genuinely are super passionate about, then you're going to have a lot of problems, right? So, I mean, there's obviously benefits of having a niche, of course, but I think it is so important to experiment with things in the early days and try different things out and see what works and what you like and what you don't like and then go from there. Mm -hmm. So where can listeners go to learn more about you? Okay, so my website is flightinscarlet.com. So I'm going to spell it because I can tell people are going to spell this one wrong. So <laughs> F-L-I-G-H-T-A-N-D-S-C-A-R-L-E-T. -E so flight as in like flying in the air. <laughs> uh, dot com, obviously. Instagram is flight and scarlet. And then Twitter is flight scarlet only. We'll definitely have all the links on candidpodcast.ca. You can go find all of her links there. Yes. Candidpodcast.ca slash ep2? EP2. EP2. Yeah. Okay, there we go. And you also have a free feminist resource yes. on your site if people want to learn more about feminism. Yeah, so it's called the Quick and Dirty Guide to Feminism. If you go to flightandscarlet.com, you'll see it at the very top on the right. It's super obvious and you can't miss it. So you just enter your email and your name and sign up. <laughs> awesome. And what kind of uh, VA services do you provide? 
So I work with other bloggers and teacher sellers on teacherspayteachers.com who have a store. I can help edit, proofread, and schedule your posts in WordPress. I can schedule social media like Pinterest and Tailwind. Um, and then I also do graphic design, so designing printables or designing uh, blog graphics on your actual website. The only thing I don't do right now um, is ghostwriting and also a full social media management for your accounts, just scheduling. Awesome. I don't, I don't think there's any other questions, but I want to thank you for being so candid uh, with your business and taking the time to kind of discuss everything basically from where you were to where you're at today and where you're going. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Candid Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like and a share with your friends and coworkers. Visit candidpodcast.ca to learn more about this podcast, to access some of our favorite free resources for your business, and to submit any questions you would love for us to answer in our next episode. This episode is brought to you by Small Business Assistant, assisting your small business with QuickBooks consultation, source deductions, payroll, and more. Go to smallbusinessassistant.ca.